Welcome back to the Vibrantly Gray podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Working. Here in the Vibrantly Gray community, we support older women in pursuing their big dreams. I believe that age should never be a barrier to achieving one's goals and living a meaningful life. In today's episode, I hope you will be inspired and empowered to live your life vibrantly. My guest for this episode is Dr. Marta Miranda. I've known Marta since the late 1990s when both of us taught at Eastern Kentucky University. Marta is vivacious, she's creative, and she is very in tune with her purpose in life. Marta's family immigrated to the United States from Cuba when she was 10 years old. As you will hear, her Cuban heritage remains an important part of her life. Marta is a helper and an educator. She taught courses in women and gender studies and multiculturalism at Eastern Kentucky University and was the department chair of the sociology department at the time that I met her. She then changed her career path by becoming the executive director of the Center for Women and Families in Louisville, Kentucky. Marta retired in 2018 to devote time to her creative writing. She writes poetry and has published a memoir. Then, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, the governor of Kentucky appointed her as Commissioner of the Kentucky Cabinet for Health and Family Services Department for Community-Based Services. In 2022, she retired once again and is happily writing and consulting. Well, it's so great to have you to chat with. I've been following your career since the late 90s, so it's a a lot of fun to be able to catch up with you after a few years of not actually talking to one another because you lived in Louisville and I'm in the eastern, more eastern part of the state. I've shared some of your journey through life in the introduction, but can you take up the story at 2018 when you retired from being executive director of the Center for Women and Families? Uh, yes, I, I relaunched my practice. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Mm-hmm. So I've had a clinical practice as well as an organizational development practice. While I was at the center, because 24-7, I did not do anything. I closed my practice. So when I retired in February of 2018, I relaunched my practice, decided not to do any clinical work. I was done listening to people's problems for 35 years. And and I decided to just keep the organizational development and training and coaching aspect of the practice. Uh, My practice is called Catapult now. And that's really what I help individuals and organizations do is to Mm -hmm. move from one level of development to another and to thrive. Loved it. Had dedicated time to write my memoir and wrote my memoir, Cradle by Skeletons, A Life in Poems and Stories, and launched that book at the Omni here in Louisville in uh, December of 2019. And then COVID and the governor called. So Governor Andy Bashir tapped me when he first got elected and said, could you come be my commissioner? I had worked with him. He's an attorney, and he had represented a lot of our DD clients pro bonos while Oh, I was running okay. the center. So okay. that's how he knew my work and we knew each other. 
And then when he was attorney general, the Kentucky Domestic Violence Association, which I was part of, helped him with the rape kids and all that good work that he did around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he taught me and I said, Governor, I love you. I, I think this is great for Kentucky, but I'm loving my retirement. Yeah, you're asking uh, I'm, a lot. <laughs> I'm tra- yeah, I'm traveling, I'm keynoting, I'm writing. What can I do? So he said, would you help me with a, one of the, he had another initiative. Said, Absolutely, I can help with that. So in June, he called again. And he said, I had not, him and Eric Freelander, the secretary, I have not filled the position. As you know, we have COVID. And now we've added racial reckoning. Yeah. And I need you to reconsider at least giving us a year. At that point, that wasn't, a, that was, and of course, I had been watching him at those, him and Eric at those four o'clock briefings oh, yes. and asking myself, wasn't I, why wasn't I there helping? Yeah. So I went from absolutely now, my life is great to like, oh my God, yes, of course. So I, I accepted the, the appointment as commissioner for the Department of Community-Based Services, 4,500 staff, 120 counties, every oh social my. services in the state, and a really outdated state dinosaur with a very rabid and malicious legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started July 1st of 2019, uh, 2020 as his commissioner and did that for, I offered him a year, but you can't get anything done in a year in state government. Yep. I learned that. Yes. So I gave him almost three and have my retirement 2.0 as of uh, February of 2023. Okay. All right. Well, I can imagine that uh, the position that you stepped into was particularly during, you know, the COVID times, it was just a, another 24 seven of trying well, to make things work under those circumstances? Well, it, it, the, the, the agency manages all child abuse, adoption, adult, food stamps, mm-hmm. you know, foster care, all of that, child fatality, all of those things. But then on top of that, we had the tornado in Mayfield. Oh, yes, yes. And that was in the December flood. of 21? Yes. Yep. And then okay. we had the flood in mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky. Yes. So we had COVID. We had a really insane scope of work statewide. You know, people are poor, they're in need, etc. There's COVID. Then we have a tornado. And then we have a flood. Yeah. So to that work, all of those got added uh, on top of that. So okay. yeah, it was the challenge of my life. And I never thought I would say that. Yeah, I've never had a PG-13 career. <laughs> it was just amped up even even more. Right. Well, yeah, unbelievable. You, you've been working in a, you know, a really challenging work context for all of your life, whether you were at the university yeah. or at the center, you know, it's just uh, uh, but um, I've I've admired you for many years because you. you were willing to step up. And do that. Well, and do it's it my well. purpose. Yeah. It's my purpose. Yeah. I, I say when I keynote on authenticity is I knew that I wasn't born to wash men's underwear or change diapers. Yes. That I was here to change minds. Yes. And to change systems. Yeah. And that's what I've done my whole career. I celebrated 50 years of my career on January 17th of this year. Okay. 
Wow. That well, good, good for you. That's just that's an amazing accomplishment. And now you have your retirement 2.0. And do you think do you think there's going to be another call from the government or governor or somebody in need? You think that you don't think there's going to be a retirement 3.0? Happy. Uh, (laughs) I call it rewirement, not retirement. Oh, I love it. Taking my my energy and putting it someplace else. I was incredibly happy doing what I was doing prior to accepting this charge from the governor and from this amazing state that I love and has become my home. So I wasn't planning to do that. I did it because it was a strenuous circumstances. I'm 69 years old. I deserve to write, to travel, Mm -hmm. to edit, to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, poetry to take care of myself to grow a tail and become a mermaid uh, that's my <laughs> that's my last plan for my life I'm a, I'm a visionary with a plan yes because a vision without a plan is a hallucination so <laughs> what of your questions is what advice do I have for other people it's like envision it but you better plan it and work on it consistently because yeah. if not it's not going to happen We'll so, see. You've, uh, you've already uh, thrown out a couple of gems we can, we have rewirement <laughs> And we have a vision without a plan is just a hallucination. I love those. Correct. That Correct. that is now in my vocabulary. Correct. So thank you, yep. Marta. Good. My <laughs> staff and and colleagues always call in the Martyisms. You know. Yeah. When I retired from the state, it was seventeen times that I went to HR and the legislator to try to get raises for my staff. Mm-hmm. I had not had raises in fifteen years. Yes. Also to be able to allow administrative leave when they were present for a critical incident. Yes. Like for example, somebody yeah. held again a gun to their head. They saw a particularly senior child abuse case. Yes. And they told me 17 times no. Oh and on no. the 18th time we got it. Oh, that's wonderful. I hadn't I, I hadn't heard that. I you I follow have. the le- legislature's antics, but sometimes it becomes too much for my mental health. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So my other ism that I want to share. Yes. Because when I left, they gave me a mermaid theme party at the state. I love it. And they have this banner, this saying that I always said to them, because every time they said no, they will go, we've tried to do this since 2016, blah, blah, blah. And I always say, no means not yet unless it's sexual consent. Oh, there you go. I love it. So, that's great. That's too. We got a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just keep going at it until uh, until you get them to say yes. And that's yeah, you, know, you find a that's beautiful because it's an, what you were fighting for was extremely important. OK, so what's what I was there to do. It's yeah, really what I was there to do. Yeah. Yeah. So speak to me of rewirement 2.0. What what are you ah. doing now? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I have more energy and mm-hmm. I'm healthier and I'm still so I feel like I've recovered from COVID. Yeah. I've recovered from that horrendous scope of work. What were some state. what were some things that you did to recover that? Because I know a lot of our women listeners, you know, have gone through things, we'll just say things. And now they want to, they're in the recovery process, you know, the recovering right. process, I should say. So what, what, well, what kinds of things did you do? 
Well, first of all, I would have never lasted 50 years doing trauma work with batterers, with mm-hmm. sexual assault, uh, you know, doing all that uh, addictions, all of that work, if I didn't practice what Audrey Lord calls radical self-care. Yes. So I always make sure that I have retreats quarterly by myself, regardless of what job I have. Actually, I'm getting ready to go to one July 7th through the 10th to my happy place in St. Pete. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I've been doing this. This will be my 30th year. I've been doing it for 29 years. Okay. Uh, So I recover by retreating from the work, making sure that there's at least a quarterly long weekend that I just don't spend time with other people or doing work, but it's journaling and walking and cooking and taking care of me, you know, baths and all of that. Is your writing practice a big part of that? I do writing practice every day. Okay. Okay. But at the retreat, I do an evaluation. How is my life going? Do I have enough friends? Am I spending time with them? Mm, What what have I dropped the ball? What have I dropped the ball on? Where is my health? And then I make a plan for the next three months for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I've been doing that for 30 years. Okay. And then once a year, a week to 10 day solo retreat. No partners, no dogs, no computers. Just uh, you. So I, I take my yoga mat, I take my meditation book and uh, my journal. And that's it. I, I okay. call it, I'm going to go drool on myself. There's <laughs> absolutely no deliverables other than I wake up when I want, I eat what I want, you know, that kind of stuff. And I create a space for uh, creativity, reading yes. poetry, writing poetry, editing, those kinds of things while I'm on those retreats. Okay. And actually the name of my memoir, Cradle by Skeletons, came to me on one of those meditations in St. Pete oh. uh, in 2018. Yeah. What was the name of that again? The name is Cradle by Skeletons. Great. Cradle by Poems Sk- and Stories. Okay. All right. I'll have to look that up. Is it still circulating around? Well, it only came out in 2019 and then we had COVID. So absolutely. Oh, it's okay. It's actually Good. beginning to circulate again. Good. Uh, Carmichael has it. Joseph Beth has it. And of okay. course, uh, Amazon has it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well. Okay. I will definitely read that. Well, thank you for, for sharing your strategies. Um, I think it's really important for us to learn about how other women who have had a lot of responsibilities, which I think that's all women have had a lot of responsibilities. In one for, form or another. Yes. Yeah. Um, how, how to take care of ourselves. And, and uh, you, you've got, you've got it very well planned out. I'm not, I'm not surprised uh, at, at all. Well, I would have made it. I wouldn't have been able to do the yeah. work that I've done. It's still really hard. And the center was really hard. And doing rape crisis work was really hard and doing addiction really hard you know however I needed to stay fresh I needed to stay creative I needed Mm -hmm. not to be resentful about the work I needed to continue my advocacy so the first piece of advice is make sure you know what your purpose is and that whatever you're doing is congruent with your values Mm -hmm. and that you also take time to get out of the fire get a drink of water 
relax, get support, ask for what you need, figure out what you need before you go back in and bring water to other people and keep helping other people. Yes. Uh, and do that religiously, religiously. Uh, you know, so Sundays are always my day. I always say me and the prostitutes don't do anything on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, so I don't, I don't accept the part. You just, I don't accept you, just you just lull about on, on, sat yeah, I on lull Sundays. about it. If I feel like doing something, I do it, but yeah. I have no hassles on Sunday and then quarterly Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday retreat. And then once a year, a week to 10 days, I understand I'm very privileged. Uh, I've had the finances and the time mm -hmm. to be able to give myself that when I couldn't afford to go to the golf, I rented a little Airbnb or a room in my friend's house that had a separate mm -hmm. entrance, just making sure that I had a space to go to that was yes. a getaway to, to really just get my spine back in line. Right, right. Um, I love that. And one of the things that I am finding uh, is once you've identified your purpose in life, it's important to check in occasionally to see if that still rings true and you know how, how you're doing at pursuing that just re and remind yourself why you are doing certain things mm -hmm. right right to kind of keep that that northern light uh in front of you well and for me it's also discerning whether what i'm doing fits my core values yes because yes. if it does then the work is adds meaning and purpose as opposed to take away from meaning and purpose right Right. Yeah. Well, well said. Well, okay. So you are, you're writing again. I mean, I, I understand that you were writing throughout your, your career, but you now have it as more of a focus in your life. Actually, actually I started writing in 2009. I, I wrote a story when I went to vote in Mount Vernon in the holler, a place that I love. Oh my. That I love. Yeah. They asked me for my citizenship papers. They would not take my license. Uh, okay. Because there was a lot of us that were undocumented and they yes. believed that it was a legitimate license. It broke my heart. I actually have a story called I'm Being Brown in the South that I wrote as a result of that heartache. And I showed it to Frank. Uh, he was he was at, e at EKU with me. And he says, sister, you got to read this out loud. People don't believe this stuff happened. So that was my first story that he had to proceed to mm -hmm. encourage me and becoming part of the Appalachian Poets. So I've been writing since 2009. During the center years, I did a couple of poems, one on survivors and one uh, survivors of TV and survivors of sexual assault, but that's it. And then I wrote, you know, uh, at the cabinet, I could barely have time to brush my teeth in regards to that, but I did manage to pull a children's story and wrote a children's book called Lullaby for Maddie, for my great okay. niece. Okay, all right. And then, uh, so I have two books, Cradle by Skeletons and Lullaby for Maddie is a illustrated bilingual storybook for children four to like 11 or 12. And uh, really I was there for her birth. She was a grumpy baby. She didn't want to come out. She screamed all the time. And I supported the parents, you know, my nephew and his wife that first month. So I made the story that she was a mermaid and somehow she got dumped out of the ocean with this yeah. humans with legs and she was miserable. Yeah. So uh, that's the story. Oh, I and, love uh, I, I love it. How's how's yeah. Maddie doing these days? Oh, Maddie's seven now. Okay. 
celebrating her birthday in two weeks. Those are the two books. And uh, what I'm doing in my rewirement or retirement 2.0 is I'm consulting uh, three days a week. So I'm helping doing executive coaching, strategic planning, board development, okay. how to raise funds and put in systems, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. A lot of D&I work, how to get your organization to really uh, welcome and retain leaders of color. Yes. All of that systemic work. And then two days a week, I write and edit. Okay. That, that's great. So what are you working on currently? Oh, I can't believe you asked. I hesitate to ask artists who are working on a project because sometimes they're not ready to share it. Oh, no, no. Okay. Are you kidding? I'm a, I'm a Cuban parakeet. I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Just, just right out there. Well, I love that uh, about I'm you. So it's excited. refreshing. <laughs> I am so excited about this. And I don't believe in writer's block and that stuff. You, you sit down and you write. If it's not yeah. any good, you throw it out. If it's good, you keep yes. some pieces. I mean, you know, just. You go on and write, right? Yeah, you put so, your butt um, in I'm, the seat. Put your butt in the seat, put that pencil in your hand, yeah. period. End of story, you know? I, I love so, listening uh, to um, <laughs> Annie Lamont. And oh, her her bird by bird book was just so amazing. Uh, profound for me. Anyway, go continue with your story. So Sorry. I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend one with reading prompts that have really saved my life. Oh. And I used in my writing practice. Okay, it's which is this? Nat- it's called uh, "Writing Down the Bones." Oh by yes, Natalie I've Goldberg. heard of this. Yes, writing by down Natalie the Goldberg. Bones. Okay, I I like to put things in the show notes, links, and and things that have been talked about. So, "Writing Down the Bones." Okay, by Natalie Goldberg. Natalie, Bo- if there's okay. one book that you're going to buy uh, to help stimulate your writing. That would be it. That would be it. Okay. Well, thank you I've so used much. It, for I've that. used it. I've used it for twenty years. It's wonderful. Okay. okay. So uh, Maddie has a little brother. Uh, oh. He's five. His name is is uh, Mikey Michael, and Michael wants to know when his book is coming out because we just did a launch with Maddie, where she dressed like a mermaid and she co-signed with me and all of that. So he's saying, when is Mike coming? Sure. So uh, Mikey. Uh, at age two or three, would scream bloody mer- murder every time he would uh, be asked, taken to the barbershop. Oh. He hated it. So his dad, my nephew, would call me and I would tell him stories. I would tell Mikey stories uh, while he was in the barbershop and he calmed him down. So his book, I just finished the research for that. I'm working on the outline. It's called He Has Spirits in His Hair. And it's really, oh, I've done research that. on Samson. Yes. I've done research on the indigenous folks' uh, uh, beliefs around the power of ancestors being in the hair. Mm-hmm. And then I'm weaving that in with uh, his heritage, our heritage. Yes. And uh, that's that's the book. It's called He's Got Spirits. That's great. And um, and who are you targeting this book to? What what age? Children. Children. Okay. Yeah, okay. somewhere between three and 12. Yes. Now who's illustrating the books? Are you? I don't have it. Uh, no, I, I, I hired an illustrator for Lullaby for Maddie. Okay. And she's a watercolor artist. I've uh, never illustrated before, but I gave her pictures of Maddie and her family. So she painted those portraits in the book. So the book actually has Maddie and her family. Yes. It. 
as illustration. Good. Good. So I'm hoping to do the same, uh, you know, uh, with, uh, with that. She is teaching in the Bahamas, so I don't know if she's going to have time to do that. But that's mm -hmm. my first goal is for her to do it again because she did right. such a beautiful job. Right. Well, I'm going to have to, and I will list your books in the show notes too, so that our our listeners can access. Oh, well, and, thank you. And thank and you. see see what see what you're doing. Do you have a website that I can direct? Oh, yeah, I do. To? I do. It's a catapulting now. Okay. And that's my consulting company. And there I have my consulting services, my writing, uh, my books, my uh, keynote. Papers okay. and my podcast are all on there. It's all your 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 whole portfolio. Uh, so tell me about uh, your podcast. What what? Uh, well, during during well, let me finish telling you about the other two pieces. Oh sure sure so, sure that I'm writing on. Okay, so there's the the Mikey's storybook. He's got spirits in his hair. But during COVID, Kathy, and I hope that. Uh, you know, older women are listening to this because I have gotten so energized around this. I decided I was going to use COVID before I went to be the commissioner uh, to write erotica poetry. And I uh -huh. have a manuscript called Juicy. Juicy, and, uh, okay. Juicy, bringing sexy back to senior citizenship. And uh, I have <laughs> all that. these real wild-ass erotica uh, poems in there and uh so that that manuscript is going to be pulled together and then i'm going to have to find a publisher because my publisher would never publish an erotica book so i've got to do that yeah uh, is, so it, is that the, the publisher that is has uh has published the children's books the two books yes yeah so yeah i can see why that would be a leap for them so yeah. finding yes yeah. well this is a kentucky publisher uh shadeland Mo house modern press they they publish a lot of Kentucky authors. Okay. So they published my memoir in 2019 and my children's book in 2022. So now I'm looking for um, a publisher that would publish, and it's not porn by any means, but it is pretty hot. Uh, yeah. So uh, so that that's the, so, the next. So book. why did you decide that this particular focus for your poetry was needed? either by you well, or by the public? Well, because uh, we don't talk about women's sexuality, never mind right. older women's sexuality. Right. People think we stop being sexual beings when we go gray hair or mm -hmm. gain some pounds or mm -hmm. our joints hurt. And I know that's not true. That's not true for me. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it would be inspirational yes. to wake up the sexual needs and wants and fantasies and hopefully some realities. Yes. Of those of us who are above 65, uh, mm -hmm. who are above 60 to, to do that. Uh, I also have had an incredible amount of fun, particularly love reading it to my husband. He's the first one that I read that erotica to. <laughs> and I know it's going to go in the script if he says, damn, baby, damn. <laughs> because when he gives it a damn, that's a gold star. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that, that's the process. And then I have two co-poets, sisters. We call ourselves the Naked Poets, Free Majesty and Alita Field. And we meet every Tuesday and we did all through the pandemic and we share each other's work. We uh, give each other feedback. 
-hmm. And then we do poetry readings three to four times a year together as the naked poet. And out of that, uh, a lot of this has blossomed for myself and for them as well. Yes. Well, that's really interesting. And I think, again, your your life is illustrating the importance of women supporting each other uh, in creative, not just, you know, listening to their marital woes or, you know, that, I mean, there's a place, yeah, there's a, there's a place for that too, but being supportive in a creative way, I think is really important and often overlooked. So every Tuesday, I love that. I love that ritual. Every Tuesday since COVID began, since March of 2020. Yeah. 20, yeah. 2020. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I do know from looking at, we were Facebook friends, you know, so I, yes, see we are. Do, Thank God. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I see that you do the public performances. Um, h- how does that feel to put your work out to people who are sitting in front of you? Well, I'm one of these, I love keynotes and I love conference. So give me a microphone and 500 to 5,000 people and I'm very comfortable. I love doing it. Uh, I wrote the book and I weave in my poetry within my keynotes on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Okay. Uh, So that has been incredibly comfortable and easy for me. When I wrote my memoir and I had to uh, get naked in front of people with my life. Yes. I would get sweat. I would get diarrhea. Mm-hmm. I would stumble. Uh, my throat was dry. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yes. So there was a big difference between public speaking, teaching and training mm-hmm. and writing your own poetry and then putting that out for people to consume, right. interpret, hate, not like. And it wasn't how they would respond to it that got me. It was the vulnerability. That's what I was just going to ask you. You know, do you think that these were symptoms of being extremely vulnerable? And there's a difference when you're extremely vulnerable for someone with someone you know and trust, and then being vulnerable in front of a group of strangers. Right. Very, 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 very different. Has so, it gotten easier for you? Oh, it's gotten so much easier now adding one or two erotica poems at every <laughs> performance. You know, for That's adults great. only. If you're, if you're not above 21, which my audience always is, it's yeah. time to go, you know? Yeah. So it's gotten a lot easier. It's a lot more fun. Uh, Cree, Alisa, and I risk off of each other. We're very different, but we flow really well together. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it's probably helpful, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably helpful that you have your two writing friends, you know, up there with you. I always have been good about building community and having long-term friendship. Yes. And I would never have been able to do what I've done without mentors and friends and colleagues and Mm -hmm. co-conspirators in the work. So Alisa... And three, I'm my co-conspirator in the poetry and writing world. Yes. And yeah. We, I would have we never. Have friends yeah. in different domains. So yeah, um, for, absolutely. Those of, for, for those of, uh, of us who are listening to you and thinking, yes, that's exactly what I need. You know, how did you go? How do you go about finding people who can, can be in that role in your life? 
Well, uh, first of all, I knew these people beforehand. I said, like, these were not strangers. Okay. And I knew that they were both poets. So I approached them because mm-hmm. I was interested in uh, having support and giving support for, for, for the poetry. Um, and I invited them uh, to Zoom together. Yes. And to see whether they were willing to give it a try for three months whether they were willing uh, to read mine, help his feedback and for me to read theirs. And of course we end up supporting each other and, you know, doing all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Yes. Yeah. And I like the consistency that you've built in because as we know in our everyday lives, sometimes we have the best of intents, but our lives get busy and we don't, you know, we, we don't meet with the people that we, we know we, we want to and should. Right. So I, well, I love it. Without consistency to put in action, your plan, your vision ends up being right. a hallucination. Right. So you want to write a book, who's going to support you, how much time you're going to spend in writing practice. What are the authors, authors that in the genre that you love, read mm-hmm. them, let them inspire you. And then if it's only five minutes a day, five minutes a day uh, yes. to be able to, uh, to, to, uh, to do the writing practice. Right. Right. So um, what, what's on the horizon for you? Uh, writing, writing okay. and more writing. Doing more of the, do, doing more of the same. Yes. Okay. Consulting, consulting, traveling. Uh, okay. I love I used to hate to fly. I hate to fly now, but I love traveling and whatever, uh, wherever I go, uh, you know, the organizations that I work with, uh, the only local one is the Muhammad Ali Center. I have a year contract with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, everybody's in Wyoming, in California and Fort Lauderdale. So I, I go to where they go. So I love traveling. So traveling, keynoting, writing, editing. Mm-hmm. And of course, performing, doing those performances with my poet. Yes. So we'll wrap up here. I don't want to take too much of your time, though I could listen to you for a very long time, Marta. Uh, Thank you. How, how are you educating, passing on some of the cultural practices that you brought with you from, from Cuba to people who are you know, of Cuban heritage, but also people who are not? Well, I do a lot of diversity, inclusion, and culture mm-hmm. for belonging in all of the consulting work that I do. So it's not necessarily about the Cuban heritage, it's about other heritages and how they okay. intertwine. Yes. Uh, so that's very much part of my work. Okay. I did e- equity work and cultural sensitivity at the state. I did it at the center. I'm doing it mm-hmm. now. So that's very much part of my fiber. In regards to my own personal heritage, it's with my nieces and nephews. In regards to stories about how their grandparents came and what was, what was that like and, you know, what the foods are and what the practices are, because they were all born here, you know, yes. so that's, that's where that, that piece comes. Okay. Um, well, and, and if you don't have one handy or you don't want to do it, because I didn't ask you this ahead of time, but do you have a, a short poem that you yes, would like? I do. You do. I okay, was good. Ask I would... you, okay, to close with my signature poem. Oh, absolutely. Take it away. Okay. So this is called Cuba Latin. 
Cuban by birth and Appalachian by the grace of God. Love it. I am from a place. I am from a place where roosters wake you up and chickens, they feed you breakfast. I'm from a place where pigs are slaughtered with grit and grace and every little bit is used for something. I'm from a place where we feast on white rice, black beans, aguacates and mojitos. And I am from the bile of my mother's hatred of wifely duties and from kneeling on pebbles on the bathroom floor, wishing that I could fly. And I have, and sometimes I still do. I am from a place where cafe always accompanies visitors. And I am from a place where we give voice to Punto Guajiro and worship the sound of La Rumba. I'm from the song of Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Azúcar Prieta. And from the poetry of Martí, Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera, Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. I am from water gazing plenties, bembes, and living authors. I'm from a place where we throw shells the same as dominoes and where the African tongues are fueled by rum and conga drums. I am from a place where women traded veils for machine guns and from a place where mango trees swing orchids on their hips. I, I was also born in the mountains. I was born on this mountain. That was my mother's daughter. And you can't just take my dreams away without me fighting. I'm from the sea, a warrior like Chango, fearless like Ibatala, dressed in white and blue and blessed by Yemaya. Ochun. I am from a place where studying on it has nothing to do with reading, where coyotes serenade us while black barns play the fiddle. And I'm from a place where bless your little heart has nothing to do with blessings. It has to accompany criticism where we share the bounting of our gardens and the copperheads on a wood pile. I am, I am from the mountains and Appalachia all day long, but I am from Cuba at night. Oh, that's beautiful. I just Thank love you. how you, you, you wove in, you know, the, the songs that, and, and, and that little Kentucky twang that you put in your, in your voice is very good. 18 years living in the mountains. I know, you pick it up. Cuban, New Jersey, Appalachian, right? Yes. What a, what a mix. (laughs) What, what a journey. And, and I wish that uh, our listeners could see your smile and your eyes. You're such an inspiration for me. And I know a host, host of others, but you just exude joy and positivity. So that too is your gift to us. Thank you. Anything we haven't talked about that you would like to share? Uh, No, Uh, thank you very much. I think you've asked some very pertinent questions and I've given you probably more than you need. And please feel free to edit and do whatever. There's never, people never give me more than I need. Okay. I'm, I'm like a sponge. (laughs) Uh, Uh, would it be appropriate and you could say no for me to read one of the uh juicy poems 
Uh, sure, that's fine. That's good. They can also cut it out if, if it's too racy, right? No, no, no. We're all about, you know, being authentic here. So this is not published. It's in process. And it's called, it's called Lightning. And it's from the manuscript Juicy. He showed unexpectedly, like a summer storm, shaking the rafters off my rules and piercing through well-established barriers to my desire. I begged him to carry me down into the warm rain where the corners of his mouth quiver and he wedges his knees between my thighs and slips his fingers inside me again and later tastes the smell of oceans filled with kelp. As his back arches, his pale sunrise skin rises, bringing promise to return tomorrow and bring lightning. Very nice. The imagery is great. Now, was that one where your, your husband said, damn? If he doesn't say damn, it doesn't make it in the manuscript. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that too. I, I appreciate You're that. Welcome. Do you, do you, you know, know when... I'm 69, Kathy. I have nothing to lose. Oh, I'm incredibly, I've always been out there. Um, and to have this joy and juice in my life around yes. writing erotica, something I've never done or thought I would be do, yes. is really part of part of what this journey of being, uh, you know, I'm going to be 70 next year. Right. So I love right. it. Uh, you know, and, the kids and, never and expect also, a senior citizen to do that. Yes. And you're, you're, that's what I was going to say. You are, you're opening the door and giving permission for other women to do the same. And I think that's really important. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you did, please join our community on Facebook. There, you will find reading suggestions, meaningful dialogue, and additional stories of women who are going big. The link is posted in the show notes. As Betty Friedan said, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity. So let's do it together.